three, two, one. From down in the dirty bird. Oh my goodness gracious. The only mustard buzzard podcast on the planet. This is Buzzardry. Here are your hosts, Ben Milam and Patrick McGee. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Buzzardry. Very good to be back with you. It is Sunday night, January 15th at the time of this recording. We've got a little basketball to talk about and a few other tidbits. We're also going to take some of your questions. My name is Ben Milam, and I'm here with my partner, Patrick McGee. Pat, how you doing? Glad to be here on this Sunday night. This episode of Buzzardry is brought to you by Big Gold Nation. That is Southern Miss dot rivals.com it is the premier inside source for all things southern miss athletic thanks to big gold nation for sponsoring the episode okay pat let's jump right into it a little b-ball to talk about as we roll uh, we're kind of in the meat and potatoes of conference play a little bit we previewed what we call the biggest game in the jay ladner era to this point and one of the bigger games i think in the last decade of southern miss basketball post tindall Yes, yeah, exactly. And did not turn out in the Golden Eagles' favor. You were you remain a bit shorthanded, and they're all the travel woes. And as we talked about last week, the matchup wasn't great in terms of the, the style of play that Marshall likes to play. And, of course, you're on the road. And I don't – it was, you know, probably a combination of some of those factors. But the biggest thing was Southern Miss really just didn't play well and ended up getting blown out in Huntington. Yeah, and it was a game where, um, and you'd kind of said it on, or you and Kelly kind of said it on Eagle Hour, but it wasn't a, a matter of just getting out rebounded or turning the ball over a lot more. It was just Marshall shot it a little better. Yep. Or, I mean, yeah, I mean, and they got, you know, better looks. And USM had some good looks. I mean, honestly, I thought this was one of the, a game where you had um, one of the better, some of the better shot uh, quality uh, in a couple of weeks. But, yeah, you just weren't making them. And uh, you, you got it to within three there, uh, midway or kind of uh, middle of the second half, and then Marshall just kind of went on a run, and that was that was it. Marshall mm-hmm. went in this uh, pretty easily, um, 89 to 67. Uh, and it was a game where you, you kind of had a couple injury scares. You had Crowley go down, and yeah. that looked really bad for a second. I think he might have maybe just hyperextended it or something, but he ended up you know being fine, and Mo Arnold had uh, an injury that took him out for a little while. Um, but yeah, it was just a game where it was kind of that typical uh, Marshall. Uh, when we've talked about the struggles in Huntington, where you just play really poorly, it seems like here every single year. Usually, one of the you know either the worst game or one of the worst games you play every year is at uh, at Marshall. Uh, and so yeah, it was just um, you weren't really able to handle their big guy Micah Hanlogden. I mean, he had uh, 17 points and 16 rebounds. I mean, he mm-hmm. was, you know, by far the MVP. And then you had Camden Kerfman, who we kind of talked about. Oh, was their spot-up shooter transfer from VMI. He made five threes on, on nine attempts, so he had a really big game. So, yeah, you uh, weren't able to – I mean, they only they, – Marshall only shot at 8 of 29, so that's pretty average. Uh, but, yeah, uh, inside, you really struggled with it. And that, that is kind of a, a thing I was um, – 
uh, concerned about this team is the ability to handle a true big man. Because you look at like Hase, and he's kind of been able to play outside of him, but he's not like a traditional big man, you would say. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of like the guy that can, you know, pick up, you know, 12 or, or 13 rebounds a game. and Yeah, and defensively too. Right, yeah. right. So, that, I mean, that is um, a potential uh, a concern down the road, and you kind of saw that exposed in this game where Hanlockton mm-hmm. really, you know, kind of ate your lunch there. Uh, with the kind of game he had, so I don't know if that's um, they need to adjust to that or if it's you know what what do you, what do, you do with that? That was something that kind of stood out to me. Yeah, I agree, and th- you just don't see a lot of true big men right. in mid-major basketball, if you, if you want to call that uh, call it that. I know that offends some people, but seven one, seven foot one, a true freshman too, and a guy that they. Did not expect to to play this year. They expected to put a shirt on him, kind of a project guy. And, I mean, he is certainly in the running for for freshman of the year in the Sun Belt. And, yeah, I I agree with that. I think that's been true of Southern Miss basketball for a long time. You, I mean, it's, I, I can't even name a true big man who has been quality on both ends of the floor um, you know, in, in the last 10, 15 years for Southern Miss basketball. And so that that's always been the case. And I think the way that Leonard's constructed this roster, I mean, the hope is that you're long enough, athletic enough, that you can sort of counteract that and, and provide some matchup um, difficulties for the opponents when, you know, say a 7-1 guy like Hanlogton has to guard a guy like Kase, you, you would hope that he can take advantage of that. And I think we saw that, on Saturday, we'll talk about the Arkansas State game, but uh, Denaje Harris, if he can prove that he's he's a real weapon offensively, I think that could counteract that a little bit to where, you know, if Harris can really put the ball on the floor and go to the basket as well as shoot it, shoot it better from mid-range, I think that that maybe helps you out in that regard a little bit. But, yeah, you're right. This, this, um, this roster for Southern Miss is not big. It is long and athletic, but it's not big. And again, you're just not going to see a lot of that type size and talent like Micah Hanlockton, and he really did hurt you. I do think there is a silver lining in this game. Hard to find maybe when you lose by 20-plus in conference play, but like you, you mentioned it um, at the beginning what you were saying there, you found a lot more open shots than you, than you have, I think, since the beginning of conference play. And that carried over to the Arkansas State game. That was the concern for me, in a game like this was that Marshall who plays so fast and they play physically and they're going to pressure you offensively because that's just what Southern Miss has struggled with. I think some adjustments have been made to allow some more open shots and be it even in just non-conference play, we have seen that those guys who got open looks on Thursday and missed them, we have seen them make those shots. And so you would hope that it stands to reason that eventually they're going to knock some of those shots down. Yeah, I mean, and, the, you know, the guy that's been struggling that made a bunch of those shots earlier is Hase. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess, what was his line? Uh, I've scrolled up a little bit. He was uh, he was 3-9 and nine on um, on Thursday, so um, which isn't terrible. I mean, that's pretty average, but I mean, that's still uh, – and he was going to come back to earth because uh, he was over 50%, which isn't sustainable. I mean, earlier in the year, I, I think it started with that – or before the UNLV game, he was over 50%. Uh, from three, and you knew he was going to come back down to earth. But, I mean, now he's kind of in a slump, and I think he's a guy you expect to get it going yeah. um, later in the year. But, yeah, I mean, with him not playing, uh, with how he was playing earlier in the season, that mm-hmm. that has kind of, or, or definitely has 
uh, limited your offensive ceiling. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, yeah, but, yeah, you did have better looks. And, you know, I mean, look at a guy like Mo Arnold played really well. Um, he had 12 points um, or five assists, seven rebounds, and he uh, was able to distribute the ball, um, had a really like a no-look pass uh, that I think ended up uh, – the shot ended up uh, missing. But I think it was – it might have been Hase that missed it. Um, but, yeah, he, he's a guy. And then we'll get – I guess we'll get in – you know, he'll be on the timeshare going forward with Alvarez coming back, and we'll get to that. Um, but, yeah, I think some – They've adjusted based on what these teams in the league have shown, um, but in this game, you just you just weren't hitting shots. Is there a concern for you about the defense, the much heralded defense, when you you get eighty nine hung on you? Uh, a little bit. I mean, it just kind of goes back to what we were saying about the ability to defend a true big man, and that was something you weren't able to do in this game. And I guess if you see another one of those down the line, uh, that would be a concern. But that was real. I mean, it wasn't a uh, matter in the past you've seen USM teams just really get burned. I feel like for the last decade, just really get burned from um, beyond the arc because, you know, you're playing that pack line defense because mm-hmm. you usually don't have a lot of big bodies. So you got to devote a lot of resources um, into the paint, and that allows, you know, the perimeter to be more open. And it wasn't a matter of that. I mean, that you know, like we're saying they're 8 of 25 yeah. um, from three. So um, I think, uh, I don't know, I just think it was all around a, a bad game. And yeah. um, you, you were able, even though Arkansas State, we'll get into Arkansas State. You know, Arkansas State's not really a good team. You were able to uh, play a lot better in that game. So uh-huh. Yeah, and I also think Marshall's really good. Yeah. And they had probably their best game of the season. So that uh, has a little something to do with it. Anything else in the Thursday game before we move on? I think that's it. All right, let's talk Arkansas State. This was a game after that drubbing on Thursday that you really needed to win. I mean, in a number of different ways. First of all, to feel like you still have a good shot at those top four seeds going into the conference tournament, but also just confidence-wise to to end this road trip at 500 and to finish it on a strong note and feel like you're not going downhill, I guess. And, And I think... This was the type of performance that Southern Miss got. You win by double digits, and frankly, it was worse than the score reflected. You win by 17, but you really did dominate, this, I mean, especially in that second half of play, and, and I think we saw the potential of this offense maybe coming out of this slump a little bit, even though it was against a pretty below-average team. Yeah, and I mean, the first half, it just felt like, even though it didn't feel like you were even playing that poorly, but it just... It felt like you should have been up a lot more than you were. And it was like, well, you feel like you're a lot better than Arkansas State, but you're tied up at the half. And then, but yeah, in the second half, you started to pull away. And yeah. I mean, you got up to a 25 point lead at one point midway through the second half. And uh, you end up winning there by 17. So it was a good performance. And I think a, lot, a big part of that was the rebounding. I mean, let's see, scroll down to where Arkansas, it was a. Uh, Okay, yeah, so 40 to 28 rebounding. So you're really able to out rebound those guys. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, the big story, I guess, would have been uh, Dena- or one of the big stories, Denajay Harris. Uh, he was kind of the MVP in this game at 22 points, yeah. eight rebounds. And it was just kind of the, he has struggled offensively. He's better than he was. Uh, you talk about like putting the ball on the floor. He really struggled with that. I thought against Marshall, had a couple turnovers. Oh, and in this game, he kind of just had a couple, again, a, a lot of shots around the rim, was able to put it in. And uh, that was a big, um, a big part of the um, of the win. Uh, Mo Arnold hit several threes yeah, early on, yeah. three of four, uh, three of four. And you know he was a guy who was really not um, yeah. a big outside threat last year, and still not as really much this year. He's improved a little bit on his three point shooting, uh, but he's not a guy that teams are really scared of from beyond the arc. 
Um, but yeah, it was just a matter of the defense really. I saw Arkansas State, but only had um, uh, twenty three points there in the uh, in the second half because it was 33, 33, 33 or thirty four, thirty four uh, half. So yeah, it was just a really good second. I mean, probably. I mean, or definitely the best half you played um, in league play. Oh, yeah. Um, and really, I think it was probably maybe the best game you've played. Um, maybe since that Lamar game in Hattiesburg or one of those two Lamar games, even though Lamar's really bad, so it's, it's tough to even kind of judge that. But mm-hmm. um, you just even – some of the games you had won, like Troy, which uh, you might – I mean, you probably played okay. I mean, Troy's a good team, so to win that, you have to play at least decently. Sure. Um, but I, I just felt like this was kind of the, the best game you played in about a month or so. And it was good to see that because, like you were saying, if you lose that, then you'd be three and three, um, and you'd be like, "All right, well, is this team did they just kind of or not get lucky, but you know, have teams adjusted and they just can't adjust back?" Like right, re- earlier right. in the year when you beat Liberty and Vanderbilt and those type teams, and um, you know, have have you already peaked? And I think this was a game where um, you know it doesn't mean that everything's fixed, but it was a sure. step in the right direction. Um, from where you had been uh, the last you know week or so, where you had either gotten blown out or struggled to beat um, right. a team like ULM. So yeah, and I, and I mentioned it, but I, I think this this type of game shows the potential of this team, especially offensively. And and again, that was the concern coming into this weekend. I think coming into the road trip period, but when you have a guy like Denajay Harris who gives you twenty two, yeah, DeAndre Pinckney in the Louisiana road trip last week have two 20-plus point performances. You talked about Lo Arnold's strong offensive output. Uh, for the most part, in all of these games, in spans at least, over these last two weeks, um, obviously Austin Crowley, Felipe Hase are kind of known quantities. We've seen it from Donovan Ivory in non-conference play. And this is all on top of what you hope would be more efficient offense with – the return of Neftali, Neftali Alvarez. But hopefully some of these gaps will open up and kind of how you constructed this offense with Alvarez at the point on top of feeling like you have a pretty good uh, second option or option 1B, if you will, in, in Mo Arnold with as good as he has been, especially in this game against Arkansas State. I think you feel much better about this offense after this road trip. Even though, you know, two and two, obviously you could have done better in the Louisiana game was a little bit disappointing. Marshall game, very disappointing. But I personally feel better about this team after this road trip. Yeah, I mean, I guess, what, what do you think the line, I mean, the lineup, what, do you, I don't know if they start Alvarez against South Al, um, but I, I think you say either Ar- Arnold slash Alvarez and Crowley. I mean, I guess it'd be pretty much the same lineup you've been playing with. Yeah. Other than you, you have Arnold and Alvarez kind of on a timeshare. Mm-hmm. You see Aguirre's minutes go down, um, but yeah, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, with if, I think that yeah, one of the keys is Harris. I guess you, you keep him in the yeah. lineup. We talked yeah. about he, he's kind of struggled offensively, but he played really well offensively in this game, and he's a um, an asset uh, defensively. Um, so yeah, I think you. I mean, it's going to come down to not kind of how they. Um, or adjust to kind of these ball pressure defenses. Right, I mean, that's kind right. of where you've seen this team have trouble, which a team like South Alabama we can get into. They uh, force a lot of turnovers. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the big thing in this was just rebounding, second-chance points. And, um, yeah, that was kind of that defense-to-offense type of thing. So. Mm-hmm. And also, the addition of Alvarez also allows you to play small, which you, you know, you can – we've seen Donovan Ivory kind of become the first one or two guys off the bench Victor Hart has started to play a little bit more often. 
But now, if you if you continue to play these high pressure defenses, which I think you will, now that you, I mean you could play Arnold and Alvarez at the same time, yeah. and take out you know one of those big guys and play them alongside Crowley, and Crowley. I'm sorry, um, and I, I think it just gives you more options. Um, whether or not they start him is is dependent, obviously, on how healthy healthy he is. If they feel like he's a full go. I would um I would actually assume that they they kind of work him in a little bit. I would assume Mo has has sort of earned the starting spot at this point, and they're going to work Alvarez in. Uh, I would imagine the plan is to to find a way to put Alvarez back in the starting lineup eventually, because we saw enough, even though it was a small sample size. What was it, four or five games? No, just two, I mean he played the game against Kerry, then uh, Vanderbilt, and then he got hurt very early on against Loyola. So okay, it was like two, so two. Yeah. Two plus two plus games, um, but including the offseason, even with just that small sample size of just over two games, I think we saw enough to where Alvarez really is is the type of player you need to run an offense like that. That is that sort of positionless and motion offense and a motion offense we've seen become really stagnant without a true point guard. And so I think you need a guy like that in the starting lineup, but. Yeah, I would I would imagine they they are going to probably shift some pieces around and try a few different things because some obviously some things have have uh, developed since then. I mean it's it's been a while since Alvarez has been on the floor with these guys, so we'll see how they they work it out on Thursday. Uh, I think you're happy that you can bring him back in a four game homestand, and it's it's not kind of this brutal stretch of road games that you have to bring him back in. Yeah, I mean, I think he was he was going to either come at the start of a uh, a road stretch or a home stretch, and uh-huh. I guess he just yeah I mean, he wouldn't have been ready for this four game uh, road stretch. So yeah, you bring him in for this four game home stretch, and I mean it hasn't um, been I guess official that he's going to play, but I mean all indications from the coaches and yeah. Alvarez on uh, on Twitter uh, seem to uh, imply that he will be playing uh, Thursday. So yeah, it'll be. Um, I guess we'll get into these next two games. But and also another thing, we just talked about all his offensive impact and just able to distribute the basketball and, you know, make the offense go. But he's also, I mean, Liner's talked about how good of an on-ball defender he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that is uh, something that you'll uh, see as well. So, All right. You want to talk South Alabama? Yeah, so South Al, they're 8-10. They're 2-4 and, and four in the league, 190 Ken Palm, one, uh, what was that, uh, 186 Torvik, uh, 198 Net. Uh, and they're a team that um, they – Played a pretty tough schedule when they played. Um, they played Alabama, New Mexico, uh, FAU, UAB, and uh, one other team that was uh, Oklahoma. Uh, I think they lost all five of those games, but those are so they. But they played a you know really tough mm-hmm. uh, non-conference schedule, and they're a, a team they don't they don't get to the line a lot. They, they don't shoot it that well, but they, we talked about the uh, the ability to create turnovers. They force turnovers on sixteen percent of their opponents' possessions. That's number thirty two in the country, so being the top ten percent or so in Division One. And you've seen that cause trouble with this team uh, going back to mm-hmm. kind of the UNLV game, uh, where you turn the ball over a ton. I don't think it's going to be that that quite that kind of ball pressure, uh, but kind of close to that. And then I guess uh, getting into the individual, um, uh, another thing, teams, uh, so similar to UNLV, I guess, you talk about teams shooting threes against um, South Al. Um, teams shoot, I mean, teams shoot a lot of threes uh, against them. So 27% of field goals attempted against um, 
South Down or R threes, and that was something we talked about with UNLV. They forced a lot of turnovers because of that ball pressure. You're also going to get a lot of looks at, uh, at three-pointers. So they, they do play a similar style of defense to that UNLV team that you played back in December. And then just individually, I, I think the, the player you look at uh, uh, the most for him is Isaiah Moore, not the Isaiah Moore that uh, it played at USM last season. That's now Fresno. Oh, this guy, he is a transfer. They actually have a couple transfers from D2, but this guy, he's a transfer from Franklin Pierce uh, College or Franklin Pierce University. Uh, and he's been really good for him. In fact, he's been one of the better players in the conference thus far. He's averaged 17.6 uh, points a game, almost five assists. And uh, he's not a guy that can really shoot the threes. He's only attempted maybe a couple threes all year. He's only made a couple threes. Uh, but he can he can get to the bucket. He can distribute. Um, and then another guy you can look at Kevin Samuel. I believe he's a transfer from uh, Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, and he's a he's a big man. I'm averaging eleven uh, and uh, yeah, almost a double double eleven and nine point six uh, rebounds a game. And then uh, you look at kind of their their um, kind of spot shooter Owen White. He's another Division two transfer. He's from Michigan Tech. Uh, and he's averaging a couple threes a game. Um, so now he's not a guy that can really create, but he, uh, this guy that can hurt you from beyond the arc. Uh, so it's a, uh, a team that is, uh, kind of built on transfers, um, from, you know, kind of, I mean, division two, and then, uh, from some other kind of, I guess, similar programs like a Florida Gulf coast, yeah. uh, teams like that. So it is a, uh, a team that, um, again, uh, eight and 10, they're, they're a little stronger than that just based on the schedule they play. They have not played that well in conference play. Uh, they, they they did beat James Madison, who you know, we'll talk about. Um, they beat them by one or two um, in Mobile last week, I think. But then they, they blew a pretty decent lead um, on Saturday to um, to Lafayette. But uh, this is a team that you're playing them at home. If you want to have one of those top four seasons, you know, still be in the hunt uh, for regular season title, you got to handle business um, against a team, this kind of team. Because they're, they're not a bad team, but they're not a great team. They're pretty average. Yeah. Uh, and you got to beat pretty average teams at home if you want one yes. of those top four seeds or uh, to contend for a regular season title. So. Yeah, that's the key. And we've we've mentioned it. If, if you can go somewhere around 500 on the road in conference play and then be good at home, then you've got a real chance to, to uh, shoot for those top four seeds. Uh, you want to just roll right into James Madison? Yeah, let me pull up, uh, let's see if we can pull up their, uh, their Ken Palm page. But James Madison is a team, I mean, you kind of looked at, uh, when the, uh, conference regular season started, they were one of the teams, I mean, they looked like the best team in the conference, uh, through non-conference. They had, uh, gotten a couple big wins. They had beaten, or maybe not, they had a win over Buffalo that looked good at the time. Buffalo's maybe not as good, but they had been pretty competitive with North Carolina. They had been, you know, very competitive at Virginia, uh, but in league play, they've been average. They're three and three, but they're eighty-three in net, ninety in Ken Palm, ninety-seven Torvik. Yeah. Um. So they're consensus top one hundred team, and they're a team that is uh just looking at them. They want to get to the rim. Fifty-four percent of their field goals attempted are either at um a layup or a dunk, and there's not a whole lot of teams in the country uh, that that is true of. And well, they play fast. They play about as fast as Marshall. Um, offensively, they're going to have about a fifteen-second um possession. That's uh, top five in the country. That's right around where Marshall is, maybe a tenth or uh, yeah, a couple tenths of a second slower than Marshall, but uh, very similar. Uh, and they're a team that um, they're going to be able to force turnovers. I mean, they're forcing defensively twenty um, twenty three point six of uh, their uh, opponents' possessions are forcing turnovers. Oh, that's uh, top twenty five in the country. Uh, and yeah, they're they're a team that gets to the line a lot. We talked about they want to get to the rim and. Um, 
but they don't shoot a lot of threes. They, they um, 34% of their um, three are um, 34%, 34% of their field goal attempted are three. So again, a very rim oriented team, very deep team. If we can get into their uh, individual players, I think they have like maybe 11 guys that are averaging uh, 10 or more minutes a game. So they mm-hmm. sub a lot. Yep. Um, they probably sub more than maybe not any team ever. Maybe not number one of the country, but I would imagine toward the top of the country. And there's kind of been talk about, you know, maybe they need to find a more rigid rotation, kind of find seven or eight guys they can count on. Uh, but you kind of look at Vado Morse. Uh, he's leading them in uh, in points. He averaged 13 points a game. Uh, Terrence Edwards, Takao Molson, uh, Mezzi Offram, all those guys have uh, double-digit points. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a mix of homegrown talent and, um, and um, transfers. So they have um, – Molson's a transfer from Seton Hall. Uh, Morse is a transfer or from Mount St. Mary's. And then you look at a guy like uh, Noah Friedel, who's kind of their three-point uh, kind of, um, I guess, you t- or spot-up shooter. He's transferred from South Dakota State. Uh, he's 30-95 from three. So it's a team that you, you – I mean, the thing is, that, like we're saying, they sub a lot to him. I mean, the guy that's – uh, play the most for him is only playing 60% of uh, of minutes. I mean, you compare that to a USM type team, Felipe Hase and Austin Crowley are playing about 85% uh, percent of minutes. So they're a team, they play a lot of guys, they play fast, they want to get to the rim, they force turnovers. Uh, not a great shooting team. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a good opponent, and they um, they got back on track over the weekend. They, they lost that game in South Dakota, but they did beat Georgia Southern 83-71. At uh, at home, and uh, but yeah, I mean this is a tough road trip for them. They're going to Troy, then they're going here. So those are you know two of the top teams in the league. They have to play back to back. So it's the team. I, I don't know if you would say they're one of the favorites to win the regular season anymore, uh, but they're a team that's going to be in the hunt for one of those top four seeds, and they yeah. are one of the better teams in the conference, and you know one of your bigger threats uh, in terms of just losing at home. So right, and you made the comp to Marshall. I mean this is this is an offense as you read those numbers that can score a lot really quickly. And especially because of the pace that you mentioned, and so I I am interested specifically in in how the Southern Miss defense plays against this type of offense because that Marshall game was really, especially in conference play, was really the first instance of playing a really fast transition based offense, and so you, it sort of begs the question: Okay, is that just a terrible matchup for you if you if you see a team like that? Are they just going to burn you over and over again and are they going to hang close to 90 on you every time or are there adjustments to be made and again was it just a bad outing and so I, I think this is this is a game where you'll learn a lot specifically about the Southern Miss defense so these are two really big games coming off of that two and two road trip uh, to kind of to set up I think the final month of the season I think this is this is sort of a can be used as a jumping off point and it could determine the trajectory of this final month, not to not to put too much weight on it. Obviously, things can change really quickly, and they do in, in the course of a college basketball season. But this is this is a, a pair of games I think that can really really give you a spark moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you just look at this four game homestand as a whole. I mean, this is a a stretch you, you would want to go at least three and one. Yeah. So that would put you seven and three yeah. for the last eight games of the uh, year, and you would probably you know want to sweep. And I think you have a real chance to sweep. And I think you know James Madison, you're probably your um, you know, biggest uh, banana peel in terms of getting there. Um, but yeah, this is you go three and one, four and zero. Oh, that put you at seven and three, eight, eight and two, uh, still in the mix for um, you know, very 
um, still in good shape for a, a top four seed and in the mix uh, for a regular season title. So, yeah, I mean, you got to hold serve at home. You got to win your home games. I mean, you really want to go at l- probably eight and one at home at least. And maybe somehow, I mean, you, you don't want to say, well, you got to go nine and oh at home. This may be expected a little too much when every single home game. Uh, but something like eight and one at home, and you go four and five on the road, I mean, that puts you at 12 and six, which wouldn't win your regular season, uh, but it would definitely give you a buy in the conference um, tournament. So, yeah, I mean, you got a four game homestand. You want to go on a little, little run here uh, and give yeah. yourself um, some breathing room heading down the stretch from one of those top four seats. Yeah, and get some confidence back, too. I think. That's part of why that Arkansas State win was so big. But I think you also – you probably lost a little bit going 2-2 two and two and also just getting getting waxed like you did in Huntington. Um, that, uh, that's also another reason these, these four games are so big. Pat, anything else on basketball? We'll have a, a few basketball questions, but you want to move that, on? Yeah, let's move on to football. All right, big announcement out of the football program. Obviously, all the focus was – on the recruiting cycle as we near, I guess it was today, wasn't it? The uh, end of the portal, the portal deadline oh. to enter the portal. Okay. I believe it was the 15th. Uh, don't quote me on that. We'll double check. But Look that, up. that was the concern. And I think the expectation is that the staff, the full staff would be back um, as as has been made much of. Uh, Austin Armstrong has, has been a – a rising star and has, has been a name that, that comes up every now and then over the last two years. And I, there was there was worry that you would lose him. But I think I think the expectation was that he would come back another year. But the news came out well, late this past week. I'm not sure exactly the Friday. day. Friday, okay. That he, January 8th, sorry. January 18th. Day, 18th, day. okay, 18th. So what is that? Uh, two, Couple days. Wednesday? Wednesday. Wednesday, because okay, the deadline for the transfer portal. I guess it was a rumor. There's, there's, has there been an official announcement yet? No, no, um, no. The rumor, which has been confirmed, it was confirmed by Big Gold Nation. That was one of them that had confirmed it. But uh, I think from a couple other places after that, that Armstrong was taking a job at Alabama. There's, we don't know what it is. Likely a position coach job at Alabama and uh, after that, I guess the, I guess yesterday, the unofficial rumor came out that it would be Dan O'Brien taking over the defensive coordinator responsibilities and uh, position from Austin Armstrong. So, uh, yeah, first of all, I mean, the expectation was that the staff would be retained. That, that's sort of just what it felt like. So this is maybe not totally out of left field, but a little bit unexpected. Yeah, I think the the um. There were kind of rumblings that um, you know Armstrong and Howard or and Hall were pretty tied uh, at the hip, but you know you kind of look at this opportunity opportunity to go coach in Alabama. Uh, that's a, a pretty special one, uh, especially as I mean he's still not even thirty, I don't think. Um, so I think Alabama is one of the few schools that could alert him to a position coach job. I think it was Alabama, Georgia, and maybe a couple others, but even I mean Alabama, Georgia being the two big ones. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like the it's like the Dan Jenkins quote the uh, the late golf writers like when the Yankees call and that's kind of like uh, the thing with Alabama when Alabama Nick Saban calls you usually have to take that mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah he'll be getting a, a nice pay raise and he'll have a chance to you know when you're a position coach at Alabama you usually uh, kind of can or a fast riser you can go get a DC job at you know a really big school or somewhere like that 
Uh, so yeah, I mean, you kind of felt like you were going to be able to hold on to him, but you know, when this opportunity kind of opportunity arises, you know, uh, you certainly cannot blame him uh, for taking that. And you just kind of look at you know, and you know, the hashtag embrace the stepping stone where. When you have good coaches on staff, I yeah. mean, you want them. I mean, it's a good thing when they're hired away because it means they're doing a really good job here. That's right. And especially at a place like Alabama, you know, they're not hiring any coaches they think are not doing a great job wherever they are. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just um, – I mean, it's a bummer certainly because he was doing a good job, uh, doing a great job as defense coordinator here. And um, – but, yeah, he, he's moving on. And you bring in uh, – or you just promote Dan O'Brien who – uh, like you're saying, he's been safety's coach here and uh, has a great pedigree in terms of just his dad was a great uh, college coach. He's uh, coached at um, Boston College and uh, NC State. He's had a 115-80 and 80 record. He's uh, interned under Bill Belichick. He's um, been quality control at Georgia and maybe Alabama. Definitely Georgia. I can't remember if he had been to Alabama at any point, but I think I think he has been under. Our- he was under Saban at some point. Okay, yeah. yeah so he's, yeah. I mean, he's been under all the great coaches and, you know, he's Coach's son, so um, never called plays uh, to my knowledge. Um, in any of his stops, he's also been at Navy uh, as position coach. But it's going to be the same scheme. Yes, and um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, there's we don't really, I mean, know a ton about him just because he's never called plays. Right. Uh, but it's that continuity, con- continuity. Can't say it right, but um, continuity, <laughs> continuity, continuity. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. But yeah, so and um, then we'll see um. You know who uh, Hall hires right. uh, as a linebackers coach um, now, but yeah, so that's that was the big news of the football program. Well, I, I think the biggest plus out of this, as you mentioned, the continuity. Um, I mean that we have seen the successful quote unquote stepping stone programs who have sustained the long success, especially at Southern Miss's level, and it it has been founded on continuity. It has been hiring from within, either you know, at coordinator positions or position coaches or at the head coach position. And, yeah, I mean, I think it's a huge deal that you don't have to recruit for a different scheme. Dan O'Brien, I'm sure, has been involved in recruiting a lot of these guys that have landed on campus in the last two years, and especially some of these transfers that you've gotten even in this last cycle. And so I think, yes, obviously you hate to lose Austin Armstrong. I think he's going to be a fantastic head coach one day and is – a fantastic defensive coach already, but I don't think you you should you shouldn't just sit in a puddle of tears because you know I don't think the expectation is that the defense is going to crumble now because because of that continuity because you have a guy who has been integral in building the defense who has has been kind of the linchpin of Southern Miss football the last two years kind of held the program up in this rebuild. Yeah, and yeah, I mean I don't really have anything else to add than that. Yeah. I mean we'll just. We'll see, and uh, yeah, the expectations yeah. Uh, defense going to have a you know hopefully another good year next year. And um, although I guess another thing, just talking about the uh, I guess Malik Shorts, just and that he's declared for the draft, and he would have had one year left, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so I mean that's a big loss. Yeah, um, but yeah, the defense. Um, I mean, especially I, I, you kind of look at you kind of look at the back end. I mean, we don't need a whole defensive preview, but <laughs> uh, the back end's the question. You're really deep on the defensive line, um, but. Um, oh, I guess we didn't talk about Dylan Lawrence. Um, oh, yeah. Speaking of safety, uh-huh. uh, transfer uh-huh. from uh, Mississippi State, uh, primarily a special teams guy there. But he had played, I think, some uh, defense up there. I don't know how the exact like, snap counts. But he, he was reserved at uh, um, safety for him. Um, so, yeah, you bring him in, and that's kind of like a package deal. 
uh, with him and MJ Daniels, both those guys uh, played at George County. Um, so yeah, he's um, you need some help there in the back end, uh, especially with short slaving, and uh, he's going to help with that. So yeah, and the one, I mean, other than just the fact of Austin Armstrong leaving, the one, the other negative is that is that I wish that this this um, the news would have leaked a little later because we mentioned the deadline to enter the portals yes. January 18th. I thought it was the 15th, but it, I guess even more so. Uh, no reason to believe you're going to have attrition because of this, and I think it helps that it'll be Dan O'Brien as defensive coordinator. Again, back to the continuity. He's a guy that these recruits trust, the guys that have landed on campus the last two years and that you have recruited to this system. So I wouldn't think that there would be a lot of defectors, but I don't know. It's a it's a small concern at the back of your head a little bit with still some time remaining for guys to enter the portal. And hopefully we won't have to talk about that next week. Anything else on this before we take some questions, Pat? Uh, I think that's it. All right, we got a few, not just a ton. We tweeted this uh, kind of late today, but as always, we appreciate your questions. Over on Twitter, Colin had... Three questions, three good questions. Uh, one that we may not be experts on. First one, what bar in Pensacola will be Golden Eagle headquarters during the tourney? Pat, I have no idea. No, I've been looking at a couple places, or just I've been looking at Pensacola in general. I uh-huh. uh, haven't, um, you know, gone through and gotten the hotel yet, and I'm not, not going to do that until it really looks like the buy is secure. Uh, but yeah, I really haven't spent a whole lot of time in Pensacola. Just thinking of that, you know, I've spent some time on the Florida Panhandle, but not uh, uh, Pensacola in particular. Um, it's but a yeah, cool town. I'm, that, that is a great place to have the conference tournament. I agree, and I think it's great for USM fans. Just you yeah. know, obviously based on the travel. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like there are a lot of great spots. The arena's downtown. Uh, I know there's a sandwich place down there, like called Hub Stacy's or something. I was kind of looking at a couple other places. There's a place that, like a uh, some kind of chicken uh, finger restaurant. Uh, this you can just like one of those drive-through type places or walk, walk up to type places. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward uh, to getting there, but I, I don't know a ton about the um about this the city really because right. I, I just haven't spent a lot of time there. So. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll let you know if we if we hear a good spot, Colin. Or maybe you can tell us if you do some research, uh, Colin. Second question: If y'all could design permanent warm-up jerseys to go with the striped pants, what would they look like? First of all, do you like the striped pants? Yeah, I mean, they're kind of like the retro, yeah. uh, like, what, 80s type thing. I, I, I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a big uniform guy. I'm one of these uh, kind of old man yells at cloud when it comes to uniform. <laughs> I'm just kind of just like go out there and win. Yeah, uh, just wear your colors, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I have a couple. You know, like I like this just in terms of football helmets. I like the Southern Miss script. I don't really like the Eagle Head, uh, but I don't really have a whole lot of things like you have to wear this or this. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. What do you think of that? Well, uh, yeah, uh, not. I, I'm kind of the same way. I don't. I don't really put a lot of emotional capacity into into considering uniforms. But I, I would say I, the trend over the last five or so years and in basketball in general has been sort of the just kind of the dry fit long sleeve warm up. And I like I am I am more of an old school, you know, the the actual cotton zip up warm ups with the hood and I think that just looks better and a little more classic. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a I don't know what would go good on top of the stripes. Yeah, maybe just an uh, a, an all black kind of um, zip up. I did like warm up. 
They did uh, bring out the black uniforms for ULM. I like those. I feel like we have not worn those a ton. I think I, I much prefer the black over the, the gold. Yes. On yes. the road. Yeah. Uh, Colin's final question. He says, would four wins, and I think we maybe touched on this yeah. last week, would four wins during this home stretch justify a top 25 ranking? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one, of those, one of those things where if you're not one of the top seven or eight conferences, you're not like a Gonzaga or a St. Mary's. I mean, you have to go like 29 and 2, 30 and 1. I had a really good look. I mean, even look at like an FAU, they've only lost one yeah, game. 15 straight, I think, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. think they're in the top 25 yet, and they might not even be after this, uh, you know, last week where they just beat North Texas, which is a pretty good win for them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, we just kind of talked about it where you have one, I think, I would say good slash great win at Liberty. You have another win at Vanderbilt, the solid. Uh, Vanderbilt wins look a little better. They've rattled off a couple wins there in the SEC. They beat Arkansas yesterday, which was a nice win for them. Uh, but you kind of have a, a couple losses that are, you know, just typically not top 25 type loss. I mean, Northwestern State, um, and then, you know, you're just kind of getting blown out at, at, uh, at Marshall and ULO, which aren't bad losses, but just the way you did. So, I mean, that's just right. – and you just look at the computers. Most of the computers have you around like 80, just in terms of like net, Torvik. Uh, Ken Palm a little lower than that in the hundreds. Uh, so, yeah, just the, the margin of error uh, to get in that top 25 if you're in just a mid-level league uh, like the Sun Belt is – Pretty much nothing. You gotta lose only one or two games. So. Right. Yep. Okay. Final question. Jonathan sent this in. He says, "With this basketball roster, so old, uh, what's the average age? Just over twenty-two. Twenty-two. And I've been. People, I've heard broadcasters say that this is the oldest team in Division One, and I believe them. But I have not been able to find where that uh, stat is. I would like to see the list of that. But yeah. Yeah, and it seems like I've heard some broadcasters say fourth or fifth a couple of times, yeah. too. So I, I, they might just be throwing that out. But I, I agree with you. I, there's obviously something to that, as old as this roster is. With this basketball roster so old, slash the nucleus being connections to the coaching staff, should we expect more of a portal rehaul next year in recruiting or more high school? Also, maybe break down what the roster looks like next year, slash who has another year of eligibility. Well, first of all, I think there's more coming back, or at least that has the ability to come back that yep. people realize. Because you list off the guys that you know are gone after this year, and correct me if I'm wrong, Pat. Marcelo Perez is a graduate senior, Felipe Hase, um, DeAndre Pinckney, Nico Aguirre, and I feel like I'm missing one more. Tyler Mormon is, I believe, in his final year of eligibility. But the nucleus that you're talking about, Jonathan, I mean, Crowley has another year. Alvarez has another year. Arnold Jr., Harris Jr., Kobe Montgomery, who has not been eligible. I believe he has two years left. Uh, we'll have to go back and double-check that, but the uh, you know big guard, 6'5", can really handle it and create his own shot. Um, I think they're really excited about him. I would include him in that nucleus coming back. Uh, it's some of those role-player guys, Victor Hart has another year. Uh, Donovan Ivory has another yes, year. Jeffrey yes. Armstrong has two, maybe three years left. And so, yeah, you, you're still bringing back a pretty good bit on this roster. Obviously, you lose some key pieces. I think number one being Felipe Hase, maybe close second, DeAndre Pinckney. So I would imagine there is enough meat on the bones, per se, that you're not going to be starting over. And I would think that maybe the – the direction they go is more filling in the gaps with a few portal guys. Is that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's not really any um, 
And it's not like any freshman or, or sophomore that you say, yeah, this guy can step in and play a big role. Right. So I think with you losing Pickney and Hase, you need to get, look in the portal for, you know, kind of a, like a stretch forward type because uh, that's kind of what those guys have uh, fit the mold of. But you're going to have to recruit some high school players in some capacity just long term. It's just going to be a mix, kind of like in football, where you're half portal, half high school, uh-huh. I think is the way you want to do it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for next year, I mean, I haven't heard anything about any future high school players or even junior college players maybe. Um, so I think, yeah, they're going to have to hit a couple more portal guys and hope to retain the guys on this front. I mean, I, I mean you, look at their well, jun- yeah. you look at their juniors, I mean, I guess that they would be eligible for grad transfers. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you always got to watch for that. Um, but, yeah, I think just short-term next year, you're going to have to hit a couple portal guys, a couple, you know, wings, stretch forward types that can shoot uh-huh. uh, to fit the mold of uh, what you have this year with uh, Hossein Pickney. Yeah, I, um, yeah I, I'm in full agreement with you. I wouldn't mind if they uh, could pull in a, a seven-foot-one oh, true yeah. freshman again. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was going to be all league this year. That, that wouldn't be too bad. I think that beef up the roster a little bit. But you're right. You have to – I mean, that that's – Today's college athletics, especially basketball, we've seen how quickly a roster could change. You kind of have to re-recruit your guys every year. Of course, the guys that transferred in would um, – I mean, some of those that you mentioned might have that graduate uh, transferability, but would uh, l- more than likely stick around because they transferred in this past year. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of fluid a little bit. I wish, you, I wish it was more solid with, with – the nucleus that you do have, but I think you feel good about what you've got coming back. No, I think that, yeah, I mean, next year uh, you're not going to be as good, most likely. Uh, but if you can just be like middle of the pack, Sunbelt, I mean, you'd have, I guess, you would be starting over uh, the, the, the two years from now because uh, you would presumably, assuming all these juniors that we talked about come back, that those guys would all graduate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, then you have to go pick out a portal heavy again because you probably want it unless you've. I mean, you, unless you wanted to throw out a bunch of freshmen out there. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it, 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 this whole roster was kind of thrown together. Uh, I don't know if you want to say desperation, but uh, they, maybe it was desperation. So, I mean, you're kind of just throwing all the guys, and you've put together a really good roster that yeah. can compete with the Sun Belt. But it also puts you in a spot where the next several years you don't really have a ton of freshmen that can – or, you know, underclassmen that can – you think can – I mean, don't, how many underclassmen at all are on this roster? roster um, uh, one two uh it would be Al- alfonso and armstrong's a sophomore yeah redshirt sophomore yeah so two <laughs> trey alfonso and and uh jeffrey armstrong yeah and armstrong is a guy i really like but he's not a guy that you know you, you think okay he's going to be the next point guard he's kind of a, a role player um so yeah they're going to Next couple of years, I feel it's going to be portal heavy, JUCO heavy, <laughs> and if you can stabilize it enough, you know maybe this upcoming class or the next one, you recruit a bunch of freshmen, and you know those guys can, you know, work their way up and end up becoming right. solid contributors. Right. Uh, but yeah, just boy, a bunch of older transfers. The way this roster is um, has been created, um, you're going to have to be portal heavy. Yeah. Because um, you're going to lose these, all these guys the next one or two years. So. Good question, Jonathan. Pat, anything else before we wrap it up? I think we touched uh, everything. Yeah, we also got a question from uh, Andy. He said, "When should we oh. book our hotels for March Madness?" I've been looking. I've been looking. Uh, I mean, there's no way. I mean, the way that March Madness works is, I mean, it's not like baseball regionals where you kind of have an idea of where you're going. Yeah. Um, so it could be anywhere. But um, 
Yeah, I've been looking. I mean, have you still seen Southern Miss in those projections? Uh, they really haven't came out since the Marshall game. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, every bracket pretty much had USM in there on that 12, 13, some 14, but mostly 12 and 13 lines. Yeah. Um, last week as the conference leader. And now I think it's what a six way tie. Um, yeah, that's right. I think, uh, we'll have to look at that. Let's see. Sunbelt, uh, yeah, six way tie. So I don't know how. Uh, all the bracketologists will handle that. I mean, it'll probably be whoever has, like, the highest net, which I think is Marshall just barely. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it'll come down in the conference tournament like we talked about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the bra- brackets, it's just fun to kind of look at. It's not – it doesn't mean anything in these one-bid leagues. Right. So, but, yeah. So, I guess there – what are there, eight sites? Yes. Yeah, uh, 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 Birmingham, Orlando, uh, Greensboro, Denver, Sacramento, Des Moines – uh, Albany and Columbus. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's impressive. You remember all this, uh, Andy. My my advice would just be um, be diligent and just book a hotel and buy a ticket for all of the sites yes. and uh, just make sure they're refundable. <laughs> but even if they're not, you touch all the bases, you will be yeah. there when Southern Miss is dancing in March. Pat, anything else before we wrap it up? I think that is it. This has been another episode of Buzzardry. As always, we greatly appreciate you listening. My name is Ben Milam. That is Patrick McGee, and we hope to have you with us next time. This has been Buzzardry. Thanks for listening. And be sure to share and leave a review. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Buzzardry Pod for all you need to know about the show. See you next time.